Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi and welcome to episode 67 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And to start, I have a question for you. Do you ever eat for show? Um, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, let me explain it to you. And I'll give you an example. Imagine you're going to a restaurant with a group of your friends and you sit down and you're looking at the menu and you eye something that looks really delicious. Maybe a steak or a hamburger, maybe some French fries, something really yummy. But instead of ordering that, you decide you probably should, there's that pesky should, you probably should order something different because of your present company or just because you're eating with other people or because maybe you have the largest body in the whole group of people you're eating with or many other reasons. Eating for show is a really common experience As I partner with folks on their journey toward food peace, this is something that I hear about all the time. It's really, really common. And the letter we have from someone today is talking about uh, an image or an identity that she has with how she eats in front of other people. Like people think she is someone that's a very quote unquote healthy eater and um, eats in a way that's looked favorably on and people kind of put her on this eating pedestal. And so she's definitely eating for show. And this can make things super complicated because eating these foods that have this kind of morally um, favorable kind of reputation right now, well, they're not sustainable. And in fact, if we just eat those foods, that's actually considered like disordered eating or even pathological it's something that's not health promoting. So this letter writer is struggling with moving past this experience of no longer eating for show. So as you listen to this letter, if you are someone that can say, yep, I eat for show, I think you're going to find some nuggets, some pearls of wisdom, or maybe some experiments that you want to try with your own path toward food peace. Before we get to this episode's letter, I want to share with you a resource I have that can further help your journey towards food peace. I have a newsletter that I send out every Tuesday, chocked full of more resources, more tools, blog posts, podcasts, books, conversations, things that I hope help provide kind of thought-provoking experiences, meditations, And I think there are ways for you to further enhance this journey. And, you know, the thing that I realize with someone healing their relationship with food is everyone has different needs. Everyone has a different story. 
yet there are things that we all need to enhance it. And, um, you know, your journey is your own, but I have guided many people through this experience. So I have a feeling there's going to be some nuggets there for you too. If you'd be interested, you can just get it by going to my website, juliedillonrd.com. And I look forward to serving you more opportunity to food peace. All right, let's go ahead and get to this episode's letter. Dear food, I think about you all the time and I can't help myself. I'm studying dietetics in college and love it. I love to eat healthy, organic, clean foods very often. People are always coming to me to help them with their eating patterns and making healthier choices. People ask me, how are you so fit? Or how do you eat so well? And it's flattering, but no one truly sees and knows my relationship with food. I have recently admitted to myself that I must be suffering from binge eating disorder. My friends and boyfriend make jokes like, you are always so hungry or you are always down to eat. It's great, but I feel ashamed. Why do I eat even when I'm full? Why can't I be around food without eating all of it? It sets me back in so many ways. When I do not binge and stay on track with normal eating, I am so confident and happy. The moment I show weakness, depression shines through and knocks me down. I love nutrition and I love health, but I feel like a fraud. I'm not in a smaller body. I am larger than many other nutrition students, but in a curvy muscular way, and I love to exercise. When I binge, I don't want to exercise and I don't want to love my body. How can I escape this disorder and cycle of falling in and out of depression caused by food? It is my passion that makes me happy, yet my enemy that knocks me down. Love, fit and healthy, sometimes. Hello there, dietitian-to-be. Thanks for writing. And from reading your letter, I get the sense that you feel trapped. The image that you're portraying to your friends and to your fellow students isn't consistent with how you view yourself. And, you know, this image that you're portraying, it's developed into this identity. And this identity has a lot of meaning to you. And I almost get this picture that you're just grasping to hold on to it because it's the only form of worth that you have or like your only sense of yourself. And I kind of want to put air quotes about all that, the last few statements, because what is making this feel so um, disjointed and what's not working about it is that we can't get a sense of self in a way that's health promoting from the food choices we make. And, you know, do you really want your identity to be based on what fuel you eat? I mean, really, do you want that to be the reason why people know you or how they know you or how they think about you? You know, if someone's eating a kale salad, do you want people to be thinking about you? (laughs) Um, Poor kale. I I have to make fun of it a lot. (laughs) But you know, honestly, letter writer, um, you're going to be surprised, but I can glean a lot of parts to your identity just from your letter and just from the little bits that you've told us. 
I know that you're smart because, you know, to be studying to become a dietitian, I know all the crap we have to get through, all the biology, physiology, biochemistry, organic chemistry, all of the stuff that we need to do to get there. Um, if you're not a dietitian, you may be surprised how much science we have to study. So I know that you are intelligent. And I also know people go into the field of nutrition because they want to help people. They want to work with people and help them improve their life. And so not only are you intelligent, but you're also very caring and you have this affinity for taking care of the world. These are really two really cool, interesting things that are so much more interesting than the food choices you're making. So when you're in the midst of struggling to let go of that part of your identity, which I do think is vital in order for you to move forward, in order for you to not feel this kind of dysregulation with food or to to have this kind of complicated relationship with food, in order for this to heal, I think you do need to let go of that part of your identity. And I think you're going to be surprised how little people have actually identified you by this image that you have in your head. Uh, I think people actually think of you more as, as this caring, intelligent person. And, but yeah, with, with that being said, I think it's important as you do struggle with letting it go, that you counter this struggle and however your brain chooses to word the struggle with, I want people to identify me as someone who is caring, intelligent, or any other kind of connection that you want other people to know about you. I want you to think about how you actually want people to identify you, what you want to be part of your identity. And I would encourage you to write it down and look at it often because you're going to need that to counter those first initial reactions that you'll get whenever you experience normal eating. And you know, you bring up in your letter something really important that I think it's 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 really important for you and anyone listening who is experiencing something similar to just be aware of from my point of view. Letter writer, you mentioned that you're guessing you have binge eating disorder. And of course, it's impossible to diagnose over a letter, <laughs> but, um, and you may or may not, but it, I get the sense from your letter that there's a lot of rigidity with your eating. A lot of people who struggle with binge eating in some shape or form are restricting or dieting or have some other kind of way of eating that is limiting their intake, which just physiologically sends in this craving to binge. And so some people have binge eating disorder and other people have anorexia nervosa with um, binging as a part of it. And then other people have this kind of other unspecified kind of eating disorder because it just doesn't fit between the two. I know this is really technical, but I think it's important because from what you're telling us, you are falling on the spectrum of pathology, of disordered eating. And someone doesn't work through this on their own. It seems like we, quote unquote, should be able to work through it on our own because it's just eating. But, you know, recovering from any kind of disordered eating or eating disorder is something that 
really a person needs a team approach to work through. And you'll find that it'll be an amazing, important catalyst as you heal your relationship with food. So I have a link in the show notes to find a dietitian near you that specializes in eating disorders. And also I would encourage you to hook up with a therapist. If you are taking enough classes on your college campus, most college campuses have free counseling. Some of them have free dietitian visits too. It would be an amazing thing to um, have an outlet. So all that goop that's in your brain that's telling you that you're not doing this right, you can just put it all out on the table and sort through it with some really um, caring individuals that can help you decide what you want to do with it. One other thing I want to, I guess, just put on that same figurative table and, and sort through is when you mention in your letter that things feel really good when there's like a normal kind of eating going and then uh, a weakness when and a depression that ends up happening once other foods are eaten. And I want to talk about that word normal because I think the way you're defining normal eating is different than how I would define normal eating. From your letter, I'm getting that normal eating is clean and rigid, disordered. I would even call it pathological. This is not normal eating. This is restrictive, rigid. It's also dieting. I think it's normal in our culture, but it's not normal eating in the way that I feel like God has intended um, and not the way our body needs it. So I don't think what you're experiencing is a weakness when you are following this path that feels calm and soothing, when your, your eating patterns feel really consistent with that image. Um, I don't think it's a weakness that breaks it. What's breaking that calm is your physiology, your biology, that honestly is just there to save you. It, it's not that you're failing. It's that you're being a successful human. You're staying alive. And I appreciate there's a, a depression that you identify in that process. And I just want to tell you, I, you know, I know that's really hard. I appreciate that tough spot. And um, I would encourage you to take that as a symbol of some unmet needs. I have a blog post that talks about symbolic hunger. And for you, letter writer, I think there's physiological hunger going on and also some symbolic hungers going on when you're experiencing these binges. And again, I would encourage you to bring this to your team of dietitian, uh, of a dietitian and a therapist and really dig into this. But I think there's, um, besides the physiological hunger, I think the depression that you're feeling after that rigid eating pattern is your body's way of saying, hello, <laughs> um, I haven't had my needs met lately and um, this really sucks and I don't feel good. Um, I need you just to lay down and recoup for a little bit and um, too bad you have finals right now. Um, you're gonna feel like shit just because I really need you to listen. Um, I think that's really what's going on. And I, you know, I've experienced depression and anxiety in my life and I know it doesn't feel good. And I, I also appreciate that I sound like a um, kind of cheesy and idealistic, but I sometimes put this kind of functional kind of relationship with depression and anxiety in my own life. And 
I don't know, I guess I encourage you to experiment with using it in your in that way too, to see if it's something that helps you to find a way to navigate it a little bit differently. But I think things like depression, anxiety, for some folks come into our life when um, we're needing to slow down and be still and ground ourselves and maybe pivot our direction. And as I say that, I know there's lots of different types of depression, anxiety, and I appreciate that's not always what it is. Um, And for some people, you may find that that type of sadness is your body telling you it needs something. And um, so I wonder what it's trying to tell you. So like I said, I have a blog post that explores this more and you can find it at juliedillonrd.com forward slash symbolic hunger. And I'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes for you. And that's the first thing I would like to add to this episode's Food Peace Syllabus. If you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is our collection of blog posts, books, podcasts, anything under the sun that we have found along this journey of food peace that further help cultivate a positive relationship with food and body. And so I'm going to put that symbolic hunger blog post on our Food Peace Syllabus. And another thing I want to add to it, letter writer, is a book that I have been really enjoying. It's called Secrets from the Eating Lab by Tracy Mann. And I'm saying it particularly for you, letter writer, because you are a dietitian in training. You are hearing and reading lots of research about food and food choices, weight, health. And I want to make sure that you really are getting a sense of the research behind why diets don't work, why I call that rigid eating pattern that feels so good to you, why I refer to it as pathology, and also the research on why your physiology will not experience health and why it can't withstand that long-term. It's all in Tracy Mann's book. I think it's amazing whether you're a dietitian in training or not. I think it's a really important uh, read for anyone who's trying to heal from being at diet rock bottom or heal from any kind of eating disorder. I think it's definitely necessary reading. So I see Food Has Written Back, Letter Writer. I'm excited to read what Food has to say. And until then, please stay in touch. Let us know how things are going. I hope your studies continue. We need more dietitians who understand this complex relationship with food and with your own experiences along with your studies. I think you would do a fantastic job. So take care. Dear Fit and Healthy, sometimes, can we put down the tug of war rope for a moment and connect? We are exhausted too. We want to energize you, yet get stuck with the rigid rules. Your body needs us consistently to keep you alive. Allowing us to nourish you and experience pleasure is not weakness or letting yourself go. This is letting you be you. You have so much to bring to this planet. Don't let the rigid rules steal your thunder. Let us work together so you can make some noise. The world will thrive with the music you produce. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to 
lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.